I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Acts. We are going to be looking at Acts chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to cover the entire chapter. So be prepared for that. We're continuing on in our series, Church on the Move, as we've been looking at the gospel spreading from the time Jesus left and trusted his disciples to carry out his mission. We've seen the gospel go into Jerusalem. We've seen it expand beyond that, even into Gentile territory, as we covered last week. And so we're going to continue to talk this week about the mission of God and what happens when we face opposition. How do we respond to that? How do we continue to do what God has called us to do? And so the message is entitled, What Did You Expect? What did you expect? So let's look at Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read the entire chapter. So buckle up and let's get ready to walk through God's word this morning. This is what Luke writes beginning in Acts chapter 12. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James the brother of John with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to them, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. 
And on appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know, as we look at the text, what a fascinating story that plays out for us here, especially revolving around Peter. It's an amazing story of God's work and God's provision and the fact that God brought him out of prison and Peter thought he was in a dream. Just amazing things are going on. But I want you to notice as we walk through the text this morning that all of this begins with opposition. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this main idea that's going to frame our time together this morning as we look at Acts chapter 12. Even though we experience opposition as we are fulfilling the mission of God, we should yield to his plan and trust his goodness. So that's going to frame our time together, but I want you to look at the first part, the two characters that were introduced to you once again. We see early in the chapter here that Herod puts James, that's not James, the brother of Jesus, who would later write the book of James. That's James, the son of Zebedee, John's brother. He is put to death by Herod. And then Peter, we see early in the text, is put in prison. And so I want to go back and just think through what's going on in the book of Acts. So Jesus has left the scene after his resurrection, after he's told his disciples that they are to go and to make disciples of all nations, that they are to begin in Jerusalem, and then they are to extend to the uttermost parts of the earth, that that's exactly what we have seen happen. But it's not happened easily as They've been going about seeking to fulfill God's mission. In fact, they've faced opposition all along the way, and we see that opposition here. And so if you're taking notes, write down this first truth. As we seek to fulfill the mission of God, we should expect opposition. We should expect opposition. We saw opposition from the beginning when in Acts chapter 2, they were saying about Peter that he must be drinking early in the morning after uh, not making a whole lot of sense there. And then we see early on as well in the life of the early church that there's opposition that's coming against the church. We see Stephen who is stoned. We see Saul who later becomes a believer but begins persecuting the church. We're seeing it over and over and over again that Even though these early believers are seeking to fulfill the mission that God has called them to fulfill, they are facing opposition. And we see that opposition play out in the life of James here and also in the life of Peter. For James, that opposition resulted in his death. In fact, Herod looked and he said, I think I'm just going to kill you. That would be best. And then he looks around again and he says, I want to please the Jews And so I'm going to take Peter and I'm going to imprison Peter. So both of them 
experience opposition. The opposition James experienced cost his life, just like it cost Stephen his life, just like it would cost many of the disciples their lives as they sought to continue fulfilling the mission of God. But also we see that it cost Peter being in prison, that the opposition that comes against Peter from Herod in this moment, and this is Herod, the grandson of the Herod that interacted with Jesus, we see that this is what's going on. They are facing opposition as they're trying to fulfill the mission of God. Notice also, though, not only as we seek to fulfill the mission of God should we expect opposition, but here's the second truth. As we seek to fulfill the mission of God, we should yield to God's plan. It's interesting to me that neither James nor Peter, as they're experiencing this opposition, says this must not be God's plan, or I don't want to be a part of what God's doing if this is what I have to endure. In fact, for James here, James willingly lays his life down because he is willing to lay it down in support of the mission of God continuing to flourish. The same thing for Peter. Peter is willing to go to prison for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knows that the mission is worth it. And so as they experience this opposition, they willingly yield to God's plan. They are confident that God is in control, that even though evil men are seeking to do them harm, that they know that God's plan is continuing to flourish. They know that regardless of what happens, they are committed to fulfill the mission that God has called them to fulfill. And then we get into what I think is just the most fun aspect of the text. Peter in prison and an angel guiding him out. And so we see God's plan unfolding in the life of Peter. So look with me as we see in verse 6, when Herod was about to bring him out, they were planning to bring Peter out and likely to put him in the same position that Jesus was put in. So they were going to lift him up and say, hey, should we go ahead and, and kill him? Should we kill Peter as a way to appease the Jews who were seeking to stamp out Christianity. And so that's what Herod does. But the night before, as Peter's sleeping between two soldiers, he's bound with two chains, and there's sentries that are before the door guarding the prison. So just wrap your mind around that. That's the environment in which Peter finds himself in prison. And it says that an angel of the Lord stood next to him in verse 7, and a light shone in the cell. And listen to this, the angel struck Peter in the side. So pokes Peter in the side to get him to wake up. And he says, get up quickly. And immediately the chains fell from Peter's hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. So that's exactly what Peter did. And then he says, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And so he went out and he followed him. But notice it says that Peter didn't know that he was even awake in this moment. He thought he was seeing a vision. He didn't know that this was real life. He thought this was a really good dream. Who wouldn't want to be out of prison? But he didn't know that this is actually what was happening until later on in verse 11, it says, Peter came to himself and he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. 
So then he goes to the house of Mary and he tells them, here's what's happened. Here's what amazing thing the Lord has done. Be sure to let everyone know so that the gospel message continues to go forth. God has provided. God's plan is continuing to be fulfilled. But not only that, here's the third truth that we see in these last verses in verse 20 on through verse 25, that as we seek to fulfill the mission of God, we should trust God's goodness. Trust God's goodness. If you notice what happens in these last verses, we see Herod, the one who had killed James in the first part of chapter 12, the one who had imprisoned Peter in the second part of chapter 12, and then once Peter is released by the angel from prison, he decides, let's just kill the guards in the midst so that they can't say anything about what happened. And now he is elevating himself to be a God. And the Lord in his goodness, the Lord in his justice, takes Herod out. But notice not only that, what follows that, the Lord in his goodness also causes the message of the gospel to continue to spread. Look at verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. So we began with this chapter with James and Peter experiencing opposition as they're seeking to fulfill the mission of God. And yet we see that they are willing to yield to God's plan. And then we see the goodness and the justice of God, of exercising judgment against Herod, and then continuing to bless the work of those disciples, the early church, as they sought to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So even though opposition came, we see God's hand at work every single step of the way. We see God's provision and God's goodness and God's graciousness and God's justice as well. And so as we take a few moments to continue to worship together, I want you to reflect on this truth that we see in the text today. That as we are seeking to fulfill the mission of God, even when opposition comes, that we are called to yield to God's plan and to trust God's goodness, even in spite of of the opposition. Let's worship together. So let's take a few moments together and walk back through Acts chapter 12 as we think about how do we seek to apply Acts chapter 12 in our own lives. As we think about the call that God has placed on our lives to seek to be part of fulfilling his mission of making disciples, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and living with a kingdom mindset. How do we respond when opposition comes? How can we expect opposition? How can we respond when opposition comes? And here's the great truth that we're reminded of, that opposition is often the place where the greatest amount of growth occurs. Now think about that in your life personally. The times in your life where you have experienced opposition are often the times where you've grown the most as a person. Now, if you work out, it's the same thing that holds true there, that you are experiencing opposition when you lift weights or when you run. There's opposition that forces against your body, but it's utilized in such a way to make you stronger. 
Or maybe when you were in school, I always hated to take tests, but those tests were able to come against us, come and oppose us, and cause us to think through and process through the information that we learn. We're able to grow as a result of that. But the same thing holds true for us as believers, that as we are called to fulfill the mission of God, that opposition is going to come against us. Now, I want us to be cautious and I want us to be careful as we think about opposition in that sense. It would be easy for us, and I think it's often easy for us if we're not careful, to think that that opposition is primarily someone else. That someone else may say something to us as we seek to share the gospel with them, or someone may say something about us as we seek to live out the message of the gospel. And for us, we may think that that is opposition. We may think that they are opposing what we believe or opposing what we think. We may expand it even beyond that on maybe a government level where we are hearing of maybe in other countries that the government is saying you cannot worship the Lord freely like you would want to. And so opposition is coming against the church in some of these other locations. However, I want us to be reminded of the great truth that Paul tells us is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The easiest thing for us to do when we experience opposition as we're seeking to fulfill the mission of God is to identify who is the person that is opposing us and to attack them. But I want us to expand our minds and realize that ultimately the opposition that is coming against us seeking to fulfill the mission of God in our lives, seeking to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to live out the Christian calling that we have on our lives, that opposition is spiritual in nature. That Satan and his demons are doing everything that they can day in and day out to thwart and to discourage and to dissuade us from fulfilling the mission of God. They're doing everything in their power to cause us to grow comfortable and complacent as believers to not take seriously the mission that God has called us to fulfill. And so for us, I want us to be reminded that every single day that we wake up as believers, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. We're not engaged in a physical battle ultimately. We are engaged ultimately in a spiritual battle. That's the reason that the scriptures often talk in language like that for us as believers, that we are soldiers in God's army, that we are to put on the full armor of God, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. Those things remind us of the great truth that we are in a daily battle. And so it should not surprise us as believers that we experience opposition. We should wake up in the morning knowing that as soon as our feet hit the floor, Satan is saying, what can I do to discourage and to dissuade this believer from doing what God has called them to do? One of my favorite books that details that in such an amazing way is C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. It's one of the greatest pictures, and it's a conversation between a elder demon and his protege that he's training as they are seeking to thwart God's plan and God's purposes. As they've identified a person that they are seeking to do that against, and so they are looking and saying, how can we tempt them? How can we discourage them? How can we help them grow complacent so that they're not fulfilling the mission that God has called them 
to fulfill. But I want us to be aware of that. I want us to know that, that we are in a battle. As we seek to live out the Christian life, it should not surprise us when we experience opposition. Even when we experience opposition at the hands of other people, we need to look deeper than that and recognize that if we are experiencing attack, it's because God is at work in and through our lives. Which brings us to another point. If we're not experiencing much attack at all, then it may be a great question to ask ourselves, are we seeking to fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill? Or Satan and his demons look at us and go, we don't really have to worry about them at all because they're not really taking this thing seriously. But for James and for Peter, they took fulfilling the mission of God very seriously. And as a result, they experienced opposition. And for us, we should expect that. And we should be prepared for that. And we should gear up for that. And we should be willing to fight the spiritual battle that is ensuing beneath the surface. And not only that, as we think about the text as well, one of the things that we see that James and Peter do is they yield to God's plan. They recognize that even if it costs James his life, even if it costs Peter going to prison and potentially his life as well, which it would later on in history, what we look and see is that they are willing to follow and to yield to God's plan. That's important for us as we think about the fact that God sees the big picture. There's a phrase that's used often, and it says that some people can't see the forest for the tree that they're looking at. They can't see the big picture around them because they're staring just at this one tree that's right in front of them. The same thing holds true for us, that God is at work in history in such a way that he is putting the pieces of the puzzle together according to his plan. If you have ever put a puzzle together, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have all of these pieces, and then you have the box, which is the full picture of what this puzzle is supposed to look like. So you pick up this puzzle piece, and you're able to look and say, okay, that goes there in the picture, so I'm putting that here. Here's the good news. God knows what the puzzle is supposed to look like at the end of history, and God is putting those pieces in place. And for us, as we experience opposition, we must be willing to yield to God's plan. We must be willing to be tools in the mission of God, that God is able to use us to accomplish his plan and his purpose. Here's the good news as we think about this. Regardless of what opposition we may face, God's plan will ultimately be accomplished. We're not fighting a battle that we don't know how it's going to turn out. We know who wins. We know that Jesus Christ, because of his death on the cross, has secured salvation for us. But not only that, that he has secured the reality that he is coming back and will rule and reign for all of history. History is moving in the direction of Jesus Christ's ultimate rule and reign. And for us as believers, our rule and reign with him. So here's a reminder for us, as we seek to fulfill the mission of God and experience opposition, recognize that God is at work and we simply are called 
to yield to his plan as it unfolds. And there may be moments when it's uncomfortable and there may be moments when we experience opposition and there may be moments that we look and say, I wish it could be a different way. And yet what we can do is trust the heart and the plan of God, that God's plan is ultimately the best plan and that God's plan ultimately will be fulfilled. And here's the last thing I want us to think about, and that is trusting in God's goodness. That's the last part that we talked about here. We saw God's justice exercised against Herod, but we also saw God's goodness as the church continued to flourish, as the gospel, God's word continued to go forth and to bear fruit. And what we're reminded of is that even in the midst of opposition, God is good. Even in the midst of difficulty, God is good. And there's a lot of things that could cause us to look at opposition, to look at difficulties, to look at bad things that are going on and question God's goodness. And I want to encourage you not to do that. I want to encourage you to recognize that even in the difficulty, I mean, you look at the fact that James gave his life for the gospel and you could say that's just not fair. And that's a tough thing to swallow. And I don't know that any of us are really looking forward to the day that we may have to lay our lives down for the gospel. But I want you to know that God's goodness, even in the midst of opposition and even in the midst of difficulty, is still true. It still holds value. It's still applicable, even in the midst of of difficulty. And you may be experiencing difficulty right now. Maybe it's difficulty and opposition because you're living out the Christian life. Maybe it's just general difficulty as we're walking through this season. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to know that Romans 8:28 reminds us that God works together all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That even in the midst of difficulty, if we recognize that God has called us to fulfill a mission and we are wholehearted, devoted to fulfilling that mission, that regardless of what comes, God is at work and he is at work ultimately to bring about good for us and glory for himself. And so as we think about the text this morning, as we think about opposition, as we think about trusting in God's goodness, as we think about yielding to God's plan. I want you to take note of what we've covered this morning and to ask the question right now, am I willing to expect opposition? Am I willing to endure that so that the message of the gospel goes forth? Am I willing to yield to God's plan? Am I willing to set what I want aside so that I will cling to God's perfect plan? And then in the midst of walking through difficulty, will I trust in God's goodness? Will I cling to the reality that God is good? As we sing over the next moments together, let's reflect together as fellow believers on the calling that God has placed on our life, on what may come as a result of us seeking to fulfill that calling, but then the great hope that God's plan and God's purposes will be accomplished and that He is good. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you once again for your word. The reminder for us that even in the midst of opposition, as we're seeking to fulfill your plan and your purpose, 
that we can yield to your plan because it's a perfect plan and it is a plan that will be accomplished and that we can trust your goodness, that you love us and you are at work to bring about good in our lives and glory for yourself as we seek to fulfill the mission that you've called us to fulfill. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.